Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. It's Steinberg along with you as this hour of Flames Talk available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, live on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Later this hour, Ryan Pike joins in. Jeremy Poirier of the Calgary Wrangler is going to join us this hour. But, uh, hey, the big news in Flamesland is the hiring of head coach Ryan Huska. He was introduced as head coach on Monday, the 24th head coach in Flames history, and there's been lots of talk about it, who's going to benefit. And and I wanted to see if we can get a player perspective, a current player perspective on the hiring of Ryan Huska. And honestly, you know, if you go back and listen to Monday's exclusive with Craig Conroy or Monday's exclusive with Ryan Huska, which are both up right now, they both talked specifically about Rasmus Anderson and his progression in the organization and how instrumental Huska has been in that progression in the organization. So Rasmus has had Huska as a coach for parts of seven consecutive seasons, going back to Rasmus's first year in the American league in 2016, 17, that year he played 54 games in the American league as a rookie, put up 22 points. And ever since then, a few more years in Stockton. And then as a member of the Calgary flames, uh, Huska and Anderson have been on the same team with Huska either being a head coach or being the guy running the blue line and being very involved with with Rasmus's um, with Rasmus's position. So that first year in 2016-17 was no walk in the park for Rasmus. It was a real learning experience, a ton of growing pains, and I just I, I wanted to get a perspective from Rasmus Anderson. So caught up with him earlier on Tuesday. Of course, uh, an eight-hour time difference in Sweden. So chatted with him a little bit earlier on Tuesday and talked to him about the hiring and and some of the nuances of hiring Ryan Huska as head coach. Here's Rasmus Anderson from a little earlier today, starting with his reaction to the news on Monday. I'm super excited. Um, super happy for Husk, his family. You know, I know his work ethic and um, very well deserved. And um, I'm really excited for him and I'm excited for our team. I think it's going to be a, a great fit. You uh, like you've been working with him pretty much nonstop for the last decade. If you go back to your time in the American League, and then he's been working with the Blue Line the last five years as a Flames assistant. Like this has got to be one of the coaches that you've spent the most consistent time with in your career, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean I've had Husk every year since I turned pro, so um, it's uh, it's definitely fun, and uh, you know. Um, He's helped me. Uh, he's helped me a lot, and um, he's helped me become the player I am today. And uh, you know, I think there's still a few more steps I need to take. And uh, but he's he's definitely helped me a lot. So um, and I know the work ethic he's put in, and um, that's why I'm so excited for it to be him. And uh, I know it'll be a really good fit for us. Well, 
Connie told a story yesterday, and then uh, Husk told a story as well about it. Just kind of, you, you talk about how he helped turn you into the player you are today, and and they talked about your first year in Stockton, I think it was, and and how it was kind <laughs> of a difficult year. And and Connie talked about how he spoke directly to you about it. So we've I've heard from both of them. What what's your perspective on how difficult a year that kind of was? Well. It, it... It wasn't difficult, like you know, it was difficult. Look, uh, like looking back at it, I'm really happy I had that year, and I'm really happy that you know Husk was on me every day, every single day. But you know, I was I was not in my best shape. I needed to get better. I needed to get lose a few uh, pounds, and I, you know, I was a little bit lazy coming from juniors and um, that kind of stuff, and. And Husk was on me from the first day to the last day in Stockton. And that's what I needed at, at that time. I'm sure at times I, you know, I hated him. He probably hated me too. <laughs> and, um, but that's how you grow. And, um, you know, I went home, I did the work that summer and I came back in, you know, better shape and, uh, a better player. And then the next year, you know, there was no issues at all. All he tried to do was help me to get to that next step. And, um, he really gives you that confidence to play. And, uh, but at the same time, he holds you accountable um, to play a certain way. And, um, you know, he has to feel, um, you know, me and him, we joke about it sometimes. Uh, that I call it the green light. Just give me the green light and uh, I'll go. And um, and he'll laugh. And uh, then a few times towards the end of the year when we needed a win, he gave me the green light. And uh, so it was kind of funny. But, um, you know, he's uh, without that first year in Stockton, I – you know, I would probably be still lacy and still a little bit fat. <laughs> <laughs> so, and 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 you could you could tell the difference immediately the the next year when you came back and and were in better shape and and kind of applied a lot of those things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I think I lost fifteen pounds that year, came in better shape and just a better player. And then you know, we never really had that conversation again. It was more of a you know, let's get you to that next level and um, and let's help each other out and um, and that kind of stuff. And I remember the first, yeah, uh, it was one of the, that year I was so much up and down the second year. But it was one of the first few times I got called up. You know, he calls me in the, in the car on the way to the airport and, he, you know, he goes, just believe in yourself and, um, you know, get ready to play because I really think you're going to play and, you know, just do the same thing you're doing down here and you'll be fine. And, um, you know, just for him to call me, even though we had a day off and um, wishing me all the best and uh, that kind of stuff just speaks to uh, how good of a coach I think he is and um, how well-deserving I think he is of, uh, you know, being named the next head coach. We're chatting with Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson here. Um, And, you know, you take a look at, kind of how you've progressed over the the last number of years or the way Oliver's progressed over the last number of years and even just in the NHL the way whether it's been Zadorov or, or Hannafin and and the jumps they've taken can you can you tell us specifically over the last five years with with Ryan working with the blue liners and the defensemen the work that he's done and why that's maybe been as effective as it's been well, I don't think a lot of people realize how hard he works. Um, you know, he 
you know, either he'll call me in for video or I'll ask him, I'll be, you know, ask you have anything for me. And, you know, he'll be back in 10 minutes. Say, yeah, I got four or five clips for you. Or he'll pull me in and, you know, he'll show me such a detailed point of view. And at the same time, he'll, he'll listen to my opinions of it. And what did I see in a certain situation? Um, You know, me and him work, work a lot with, you know, the gap control and that kind of stuff. And, um, because that's the one thing he always bugs me about. And um, but you know he he'll always ask me what did I see in that situation, um, or and then he'll show me a good clip and be like you know I love this play I love what you did here, so we have that open dialogue and um, but just like I know in the in the PK meetings we have you know it's never any doubt uh, we always know what to do and. Uh, you know, it's because he is so um, good with videos, and um, he's uh, he's so good at explaining to you what to do and when to do it. Did you notice any difference from Ryan, the head coach, to him as an assistant coach, or is it still pretty much the same guy? No, it's night and day. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> I used to, me and Manji used to joke a little bit that he has a, has a switch and, uh, you know, a little switch in his eyes, you know, when he's head coach and when he's assistant coach. But it's it's, uh, it's all for fun. And um, But, you know, he, he's very demanding of you as a, when he's head coach. And, you know, you can't really be that demanding when you're the assistant coach because, you know, it's the head coach that makes, you know, the system and that kind of stuff. But... Husk is a demanding head coach, but at the same time, he gives you the confidence to play, and I think that's key, key in it. That even though he's demanding, he still gives you the confidence to make plays, to do you know, go in the rush, see the play, make the play, trust yourself, hang on to the puck, and that kind of stuff. So I think, um, you know, he has he has both sides of the coin. Did you? think that there would be another summer as crazy as the one as last year and yet here we are and it's been all kinds of turbulence and all mm. kinds of, of of news every few weeks it seems like it, did, were, were you anticipating another one like last summer yeah it's not even the draft yet right yeah i know <laughs> no but it's you know that's what's kind of nice about being in sweden when all of this stuff is going on you know you get you know, you find out when it's official or, you know, with all the insiders these days a few days early. And, you know, the only one who calls me and bucks about this stuff is my dad. You know, we chat we chat quite a bit about it. But other than that, you know, I tell my wife, who's the next head coach and GM, and we, we talk a little bit. And But then, you know, then it's – then the little guy does something crazy and, you know, we <laughs> we kind of forget about it for a little second. So that's kind of, that's kind of what's nice about – being so far away in the summers and just um, kind of get a little bit of uh, both sides of it and not just, not just hockey and um, just trying to enjoy summers. But at the same time, you know, with social media these days, it's, um, it's impossible if you have social media not to follow all the stuff that's going on. What, uh, just before we let you go, what does the rest of the summer look like for you, Raz? Um, Honestly, not too much, just working out and playing a little bit of golf. I have a few golf tournaments coming up, going to a wedding, going up to my dad's uh, cottage. Um, and then I think I'm going to a concert. And, so, yeah, just a little bit of 
we we went to vacation when uh, we flew directly to Spain from Calgary. So uh, we already did our kind of vacation. Okay. So now it's just uh, trying to enjoy summer and um, yeah, enjoy summer and take advantage of the time uh, being home. Well, we'll let you get back. Really appreciate the time, Raz. Thanks uh, for giving us uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of behind the scenes on Ryan Huska, the head coach. Really appreciate it. Hey, have a great rest of your summer, man. Yeah, you too. Have a good one. It's Rasmus Anderson. He joined uh, me a little earlier on this Tuesday from Sweden. He's back at home in Malmo, and uh, hey, he's had Ryan Huska as a head coach or an assistant coach for the last seven consecutive seasons. So. Not sure there's a better guy. Him or Andrew Mangiapane would be the two best guys to talk to about Ryan Huska being the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. Thanks to Raz for doing that. Thanks to Peter Hanlon and the Flames for uh, help hooking that up because it's uh, some real interesting insight from Calgary's number one defenseman. He joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for Tika... Try that again. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. It's Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike with us this hour on Flames Talk. Hi, Pike. Hi, Pat. I thought that was interesting listening to Rasmus and, and you know, yeah, the, the stuff about the time in Stockton is the quote-worthy stuff for sure about, you know, how they hated each other and all that type of stuff and how it made him better and how happy he is that he's now the head coach of the Flames, those types of things. But I found the, the part there where he was talking specifically about the work that Ryan has done with the blue line and, and you know, how hands-on he's been with the defenseman, how, you know, the, the video side of things, how it's made guys better, how it's made Rasmus better or, or Noah Hannafin or Nikita Zadorov or Oliver Shillington. And there have been, I think you last week mentioned Eric Goodbranson and the strides he took all through last season. I think it was you who mentioned that. No, it definitely was. I, I say a lot of things, though. No, I'm, I'm 100% certain it was you who said that. I just, it's... I'm pushing back on some of the extreme skepticism that I see out there about this hire because for months now, I've thought this would be a really good hire. Now, I, that's my opinion, and I'll be the first to say I was wrong if in two years from now it, it wasn't the right hire. But as of right now, I, I do really like this hire for the Flames, and uh, I thought there was a, uh, an interesting, some interesting insight from Rasmus Anderson on it. And I guess the question now is, how some of the things that he's done with young players, helping players progress and develop, how that can translate now from him going from an assistant in the NHL to a head coach in the NHL. Yeah, and I think, you know, Craig Conroy mentioned it at Monday's press conference, This how detailed his video sessions are. You know, we've heard that from a few places. Just the idea that, especially if you're, if you're going to be doing stylistic tweaks, I mean, a lot of hockey players are visual learners. That's why, you know, they, they end up, when they do drills, they walk you through the drill and they say, okay, play it like this. And I think you know, having a, a coach who can be that direct with sort of his instructions in terms of just saying, here's how this needs to look. Here's what other teams who do it well look like and why it works for them. Go do it. And I think having, having that kind of messaging will be really beneficial because, you know, Rasmus Henderson, I think, you know, the fact that he he's such a big voice in that room and he's such a big part of this team that I think having him and having Mangiapane and having Oliver Shillington to uh, to a lesser extent because he spent a little bit less time with them, just having those guys in that locker room, especially during training camp where, you know, any tweaks you're going to be doing to the systems, you'll be doing 
from day one, once the veterans uh, report, I believe on the 21st of September. So you're going to need some guys who can sort of be your advocates in that room and say, guys, here's, you know, listen to us. It works. That's how he got us here. And, you know, I I think it's going to be really instructive. I think another guy who might be able to, you know, when, when he gets into town, tell us a bit more about uh, how Huska is, might be Mackenzie Weger because Mackenzie Weger had, you know, of the three guys, the three big new faces uh, last season, Weger easily had the best season. And I think Weger had the best season because, you know, he was able to adjust. And I think, Granted, he put in the work. You can't discount the players' uh, uh, side of this. But I think having Huska as his coach and sort of having him help him with the X's and O's, help him really adapt to the system in terms of the transition, in terms of the penalty kill, in terms of the, everything. You know, I think, again, Uyghur, another big voice guy under contract for a thousand years, or I guess eight actual years, not a thousand years, uh, until 3031. But having those guys in the room the big voices, the senior players, the guys who can, you know, pound the drum and say, this is how you need to play. Yeah. You know, and I, I'd be really curious. It, it was brought up uh, during the, the press conference on Monday, the idea of, yeah, the Flames are going to have a captain next year. There's no question about it. I, I'm really curious to sort of see what that leadership group looks like, especially for guys who have a history with Huska, because if you're looking for people who can sort of be that link between the locker room and the coach's room, I think, you know, Rasmus Anderson, if he wasn't, you know, we talked, you know, a few weeks ago about captaincy uh, contenders. Rasmus Anderson was a guy who already had a, a really strong case for that gig. And I think uh, with the guy who's just uh, moving into the coach's room right now, or I guess moving desks in the coach's room right now, I think uh, if Anderson wasn't near the top of the list, he is now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think it's, I think your point about having guys kind of now push that hey this is the this is the right guy. I think that's really important for any of the potential pitfalls that might come along with being promoted within the same organization and having, you know, Elliot said it when he joined us on Monday, now some of the difficulties or challenges that go along with okay, well you were an assistant and quote unquote the nice guy and now you're the head coach, you know, those challenges can be mitigated a lot if you've got got guys like Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Weger who are really helping driving the coach's message home. And, and, you know, it's not a whole lot different than, I think, especially not this past season, but the season before. Uh, Guys like Eric Branson and Milan Lucic and when Tyler Toffoli was brought in, uh, guys really kind of buying into what Daryl Sutter's message was and then relaying that to the rest of the room and, and using that as a conduit. I think there's, there's a lot to that. And I think there's that could go a long way in really cementing Ryan Huska's hold on the room and, and him being the right guy to be the head coach. Yeah. And, but I think, you know, we, we had this discussion over the course of the last season or so. I mean, you know, it's easy to be receptive to the coach's message when you're winning and, you know, the, I think the Flames yes. in 20, you know, in 2020 or 22 or 21, 22, the, the, the year they won the division, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I completely think that Daryl Sutter was the Daryl Sutter of the last season, the season before. But when guys are, when you're winning, guys, guys are like, okay, you know, he's hard on us, but we're winning. So who cares? And I think it's easy to have credibility when you're winning. When uh, when you're hitting those uh, those tough weeks in January, where it's 
you know, those those Wednesday and Thursday night games against Minnesota and Columbus, and, you know, you're trying to grind out a, a win, uh, it's a little bit harder to be receptive to the message. And I think that's that's when we'll really see potentially the benefit of having those voices on the bench, the voices in the room, sort of the, you know, guys in each other's ears about, hey, coach says do this, here's why, let's do it. But, you know, we'll see. That's why they play the games, right? But it's... Uh, Based on the composition of the room, I think he's got some advocates there already. He's Ryan Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour rolls on on a Tuesday. My name is Pat Steinberg with Ryan Pike. And very happy to welcome our next guest to the program as we head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We welcome in 2020 third round pick and Wranglers defenseman Jeremy Poirier on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Jeremy, appreciate the time today. How are you? Hey Pat, thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Good to uh, good to chat with you. How's how's the summer been so far? Summer's been all right. Just uh, got back home in Montreal a couple weeks ago and I get the things going here. So it's been great to be around family for a little bit. Uh, just spend some time with my family, relax, and get going, get prepared for next season. So what uh, what'd you do between the season ending and getting back to Montreal? Did you just stick around Calgary for a little bit? Yeah. It's- Stuck around Calgary for a bit, just hung around with a couple of guys, just just see everyone before everyone kind of goes back home. Then just just went back home and spent time with my family. Took time, took a week to enjoy my friends and everything. Then now back with the regular program with the training and stuff to get ready for next year. Okay, so how do you look back on this season for the team? I know it didn't end the way you wanted it to, but how do you look back on the overall year for the Wranglers? No, like you said, for sure, it didn't hand away we wanted as a team. But I think if you take a step back and you look at my overall season, like I'm pretty satisfied with what I did. I think there's there's still a lot of room for improvement. But I think I showed I showed myself and the people that are watching night in and night out that I, I can play at that level and I can have success at the, at that level. So I was I was pretty happy with the the way things went uh, overall throughout the year. But yeah, obviously it's a little chip on her shoulder that didn't finish first in the league and finished the year like not like we wanted. So for us, it's just going to be come back next year and uh, keep going. Was um, when you look at the series against Coachella Valley and it goes the way that it did. I wonder now how much you really wish that that was a best of seven. I know out of your control, but we talked to Connor Zeri last week and he was not a very big fan of that being a, a five game series. What about you? No, like obviously, like I think just everywhere around the league, not just us, the Wranglers, because because we lost unfortunately that series. I think for us just to, to have a seven game series in pro hockey, it's usually the norm. I mean, like when you you step in pro hockey, usually you play best of seven. Like 
every league. But, I mean, it's it's tough to play a best out of five. You know, like, you only have two games at home or three games at home. The games are not even that, like, home and away. So it's it's harder for sure to, to figure things out. But like you said, it's out of our control. I mean, it's not something we control. It's the same for, for every team in the league. So it's just an adjustment. But for sure, I would have rather played a seven-game series, series for sure. Sorry. Your numbers offensively, really strong. In fact, the the 57 points you put up, more than you ever put up even in the queue. Now, I know there were some shortened years, that, uh, and you probably, had you played a full season the year before, would have been higher than a point per game, but 57 points in 67 games. Just the, the offensive side of your game, how happy were you with how that translated to the American League? Yeah. I think just for me, my offense has always been a strong part of my game for sure. I, I think just to, to be out there and produce, it's always kind of a thing I did. So for me to, to bring that to the next level, it's obviously special. I think when I do that, I help my, t- my team win. So for me to go out there and, and improve my defense to this year was a big thing. But to be able to improve my defense and to put up decent numbers was, was good for me. And I'm pretty happy with that for sure. We're chatting with Calgary Wranglers defenseman Jeremy Poirier on the program this afternoon. He's back in Montreal for the offseason. He joins us here. It's Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike as well, Ryan. Hey, Jeremy. Ryan here. Uh, I'm curious. Obviously, there, there's a lot of big differences between playing in the queue and playing pro hockey. For, for you, what was the biggest adjustment? It might sound a little cliche, but I mean, when you make the step from junior hockey to pro hockey, I think any junior league, when you step in the pros, the guys are bigger, the guys are older, the guys are faster. I mean, you're playing against men and you're you're still kind of a teenager, so it's it's a big adjustment, the speed and the physicality of the game. I think that's that's a big part that that plays, especially at the start of the season. Once you once you kind of figure it out, things are going a little more smoothly. But at the start, it's it's a big step with how strong and fast the guys are for sure. Oh, we we heard so much about you know how good uh, the group was in Stock in uh, in Calgary with the Wranglers this year. Uh, you know, as a first year player, were there any guys in particular that helped you adjust to uh, to the pros either on or off the ice? Yeah, well, I think my the whole team, the staff, and, and the players, my whole team helped me throughout the year with just a little bit of everything. But I think if I could single out a guy, I'd say a guy like Nick Maloche. Like a guy from Quebec that her parents knew each other for the longest time. I knew Nick since we were kids too. So just to have a French guy in the room with me at all times, just to, that played in the NHL last season, that's been around Peraki for a little while, just to have him around and just show me how things work and just show me the ways a little bit and just have him to just moral support too every day to have him around. It, it's been great. And I'm really grateful and thankful for what, uh, for what Nick did for me this season. And obviously, you know, your, your game grew quite a bit over the course of the season and you, you were able to do a lot of things at, at the pro level. Uh, is, is there any accomplishment this year for yourself or, or area that you've grown in your game that you're the most proud of? Yeah, I think obviously we always talk when we talk about my game, we talk about the offensive numbers and stuff. And I think for me this year, I wanted to prove that I can play good defensively and can be trusted in all situations. And I think throughout the year, I, I really improved that way and, Come playoff time, I think I I did a, a decent job of playing decent defense night in and night out, and just compete every day. So I think just my overall defensive game, I think, took a big step this year, and it's still a work in progress, and there's still improvements to be made. But I think I'm I'm pretty happy with the the progress I did with my, the staff and with myself this year with my defensive game for sure. Jeremy Poirier is with us of the Calgary Wranglers. 
Jeremy, what goes into improving defensively? Is is it a lot of video work? I'm just curious as to how you make those strides in, in getting better at that side of your game. Yeah, I think video is a big it's a big part of it. I think if you see if you see what you're doing wrong, if what you're doing right, it's easier to adjust or, or see what's going well, what's going bad. So video for sure helps a lot. But I think for me a big thing was like in practice, we got a really, really good team. So when we go against our forwards, they're really good players. So just for me, every day come to practice and, and compete and just and just try to defend our really good forwards was, was just really easy for me then to come in games and, and play against the other team's forward if I play against a really good group of forwards in practice and make, try to make their life hard in practice and they're making my life hard in practice. So I think just uh, all around being around those good players and, and every, every day and watching video with the staff, taking care of all that after every game, you know, making sure we watch clips and we watch uh, sequence of the game. I think all that is a big part. And just also my compete level, if you – go out there every day and you compete hard. It's going to be easier to defend too. Does, is it, um, is it difficult to improve things defensively, but not have it hurt or take away from your offensive game? I, I remember talking to Ray Edwards and Ray said, you know, the things that Jeremy does, you can't teach those things. They're so natural. Like, is it hard to improve the defensive side of your game without it taking away from the natural things you do so well? No, I mean, for sure. It's, it's an adjustment. Like I'm, if I want to really like, like I did this year, really try to take a step with like good defense and get better defensively in the long run, like I need to sacrifice a little bit of offense and that's all right. Cause at the next level, if you want to play, if you want to be on the ice, well, you got to defend hard and you got to defend well. So obviously there's going to be a little, a little offense is going to be sacrificed with, with that. But I, I think like you said, offense always really like pretty come pretty natural to me. Like things just pop up and, and it kind of does by itself. So I think that part is still there. Like if I carry the puck up the ice or, or whatever the situation might be like, it comes pretty natural to me to, to play with the puck and play often. So I think for me, it's just when I don't have the puck on my stick to focus on defending, because you can't really play offense when you don't have the puck on your stick. So just to make sure I focus and, and do it every little detail when I don't have the puck and make sure I play, I play good defense. Tell us about playing for coach Mitch Love, your first year playing under Mitch. What was that like? It was good. Mitch was good for me. We took time. Like, he took me. He took a lot of time with me after games uh, on the road. Just make sure we were watching clips, especially like nights before games, just to make sure we watch refresher on what I need to do. Watch my clips and see <clears throat> see what was good the, the previous game. What I need to do better. A lot of meetings, a lot of implication in my game. So to have him around as a coach, he's an honest guy. He's a he's a hard guy with his player, but he's honest and he, he makes us. He, he gets his player to, at their best and he makes us better. So. It's great to, it was great to have him around, and he, he did a lot of good things for me. What uh, or, or how do you feel? I, I, this is a, a harder question to answer, but you've been to an NHL training camp or two now. You've got a year of pro hockey under your belt. How, how ready do you feel, or how can, can you even – I'm trying to think of the right word. Is it easy to – kind of gauge how close you are to being ready for the NHL at this point? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a hard question. I mean, <laughs> it's not easy. To, it's not easy to gauge how close you are if you never really touched it. Yeah. I mean, like you can see in training camps 
and like stuff like that when you're on the ice with those guys, but it's not the same as the regular season with them or or in season with the team and stuff. So I don't actually know how close I am. Like I couldn't give you an answer of how close I am, but I think I think we're gonna see a lot of when I show up on the ice in training camp. I mean, after summer uh, of working out and of getting ready and prepared for the next training camp, I think it's gonna tell a lot. When I step on the ice and try to compare yourself to other guys and, and see where we're at right there, I try not to think about it too much and just do my stuff. And always been that way a little bit, not think too much, just do do whatever I need to do, do my things. And when time comes, just show up and play and and see see what's going see what's going to happen. I mean, not putting too much pressure on myself for no reason. Yeah, that's. That's good call, and uh, I apologize for the tough question. I know that one was it, it's tough to answer, but uh, that's that's a that's a solid answer. I'm so when you talk about Thank this you. summer, uh, what uh, what what are you what are you focused on this summer? Is is it the same type of summer program as usual? Has it been changed at all? I'm curious as to what this summer looks like for you. I mean, it's kind of similar. I think every year when you go back home, whatever happens with you, your body, or anything, I think it's just to to get with your people, your trainers, your physios, everyone that works with you, and just do the things you've always been doing. I mean, if it got you there, it's, it's, it's in a way it's working for sure. There's got to be adjustments every summer with how your body feels, what you need to improve, how did you feel last year, and stuff like that. But I think in the long, in, in the big picture, is just to to make sure you do everything right, like nutrition and all that stuff, and and if you do everything right and you show up every day with a purpose, it's gonna go. Your summer's gonna go well, and you're gonna be ready for next season. No matter like where you train or what specialist you use, if you do it with a purpose every day and you you put the work in, you you'll be ready for the next year and the, the following training camp for sure. Well, definitely looking forward to seeing you in training camp this year. We'll let you get back to your Tuesday night, Jeremy. Really appreciate the time uh, joining us here today. Thank you so much, and have a great rest of your summer. Hey. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks for having me again. No problem. Thank you. That's Jeremy Poirier of the Calgary Wranglers, 2020 third-round pick. Joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Now, the thing that I, 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 I've always appreciated from the first time that I spoke to Jeremy going back to that draft day in what, October of 2020? That, that, that was the October Zoom draft, not to be confused. With the June Zoom with, draft. Yeah, July. July. Zoom We've draft. had a July Zoom draft and a June, uh, an October, October Zoom, Zoom draft. What a, what a weird few years it's been. Yeah, it's nice that it seems a little bit more normal now. Um, I remember talking to him then. I was like, okay, this, this guy's pretty... He's confident, but I've always found him very aware. And he talked very openly about, A, doesn't know, like, you know, you sometimes get that stock answer. I'm ready to play in the NHL. I'm ready. But talked about, I don't know if I'm ready for the NHL. We'll see come camp. And talked about how much he felt he grew on the defensive side of the puck. But I know talking to Coach Mitch Love throughout the year, and I know having talked to Jeremy earlier in the year, and now just talking to him now, uh, how much he felt that his... um, his defensive game has come, but needs to continue to develop for him to be the type of player that is going to succeed at the next level. I would suggest that he remains the most intriguing prospect in the organization because the natural things that he does, I go back to Ray Edwards saying it, you cannot teach the offensive instincts and ability that Poirier possesses. And if he can keep those things without sacrificing the defensive side of things. Or sorry, 
if he can keep those things while improving the defensive side of things, I think they, they've got yeah. a potential real interesting player here. Yeah, and, you know, we, he, correct me if I'm wrong, he was one of the last cuts at the most recent training yeah, camp. Yeah, they kept him late. They gave him a long look. Because they, they want, I think they want to see him with some NHL bodies, and they I think they want to see him, you know, we, we, we always bring this up, the idea of, and, and the term sounds kind of dismissive, and it's not meant to be a babysitter. The idea that you have a two-way guy with someone on the blue line who can pop offensively as much as he does. And it's it's sort of become a trope because it has tended to work historically. I mean, you know, there, there's plenty of guys that have, you know, maybe not have the um, you know Norris quality defensive bona fides, but they're so good offensively that you just put them with a shutdown guy beside them and they can cover up each other's, uh, you know, "Quote unquote deficiencies," and with Poirier, I mean, he's tw- what barely he's barely twenty one. I think he he's just turned twenty one or about to turn twenty one. He's incredibly young, incredibly confident, but he's also like you mentioned, self aware. And I think the the fact is he went through a really good major junior program in St. John, and St. John a produces a lot of really good players. But I think that because they have that ability to put guys in the pros, especially in the NHL, I think the guys that come through there are a little bit more aware and a little bit more exposed to what you need to do and what it takes and when guys aren't quite there yet. And, you know, he was very good at the Memorial Cup. He's a Memorial Cup champion. And then he followed it up with, you know, a, a very good first professional year with the, the Wranglers. So, you know, it's uh, expectations are high, I think, for the sophomore year for, for Poirier. But I think deservedly so because, you know, he's, I don't know if he's knocking on the door for a call-up yet, but he's getting there. And he's, you know, like you said, the things he does are almost impossible to teach. And, you know, we, we I think the Flames had this kind of conundrum when they drafted an 18-year-old named Oliver Shillington out of Sweden, where, you know, the things, the mobility, the, the ability to jump in and out of the play, the pure skating that Shillington has are things that you can't teach. He's just, he just moves like the wind. And if with him, the question was, could you could you work on his defensive game enough to that he's able to to hack at the pro level, especially the high end pro level? And coincidentally, under Ryan Huska, he's able to uh, to shore that part of his game up. And you know, I'm I'm I think Poirier might be of all the returning players, him and Coronado, I think are neck and neck for me of the guys that when they show up for for you know the the Penticton tournament camp, I believe on the 14th of September before they head out to Penticton. Those are the two guys I have yeah. circled on my lineup card because I want to see how they look against the other team's 20, 18 to 22 year olds. Because, man, Poirier can take, a, can take another little step. He's not that far. And we've had two defensemen on this hour doing full on interviews in their second language, which I always appreciate. We know that Rasmus can speak English like it's nothing. All, all, all I know is can. the two gentlemen we spoke with this hour probably speak English better than we do. I can attest to that. And um, it's, I remember I, I was down at a Wranglers practice earlier in the year at Windsport, and I talked to Jeremy, and we were just talking before I hit record. And he's only been speaking English for four years. He's like He started speaking English when he got to St. John in late 2018. So four and a half years he's been speaking English. And like for a guy who's been speaking it for four and a half years, now it helps that in St. John um, there, there'd be a lot of English speaking in that locker room and obviously this past year in Calgary. But next to no accent, too, you're like, goodness, that's impressive to be doing that in your, uh, and, and in the, your second language. And then there's our French that can be best described as 
trying. Like I, I've I've been working on my French for going on three years, all four years now. And while it's fine and I can understand and I can very much get by, not to that level. Like I'm I'm years away from being comfortable enough to talk, like to do an interview or have a public conversation in my second language. I, I give him a lot of credit. Um, thanks to Jeremy Poirier. Thanks to uh, J-Bay Jordan Bay over at the Flames for hooking us up with that as well. I know that Poirier got drafted in October, but you know, for all intents and purposes, the draft goes in June when the world is normal. Can you believe we're just over two weeks away from it's round uh, one? Two weeks as we're of 15, Wednesday. Fifteen, as we're talking right now, we're fifteen days away from the Flames and the NHL draft. It is the, what the twenty eighth and 29th? Yes. I believe Sportsnet yep. Television is carrying the broadcast over the air. I believe. You'd know better than me the the broadcast plans for for this fine radio network. But. Well, we are uh, we are bringing you in the full coverage of round one on Wednesday night uh, of the draft, and then rounds two through seven on Thursday morning from the draft floor in Nashville. We've got full coverage for you from Bridgestone Arena and the NHL awards. Michael Backlund maybe winning the King Clancy. Oh, he, we will have be, what the fourth flame to win the King Clancy. Sounds right. We will have all kinds of coverage uh, starting on Monday the twenty. 20- the 26th 26th so the the week of the 26th we are in nashville the entire time for flamestock and we will be bringing you nothing but content i'm stoked for it yeah it's gonna be a fun week because it's uh you know it's it's the it's a week that's full of hope and a week that's full of excitement and a week that it's gonna be an eventful week you know you had the awards you have the gm meetings where we'll finally find out the damn cap number for the coming season and then Round one, round two through seven. And then on the Friday, it's actually the end of the buyout period and the qualifying Qualifying offer deadline. And then on Saturday, July 1st, Jerome McGinley's birthday. Remember to give him a card because he, you know, he he remembers who doesn't. Uh, It's also the opening of free agency. So it's going to be that last week of June. Whoa, Nelly. There's going to be no shortage of things to write about, talk about, podcast about, commiserate about. How, how, two weeks, two weeks until all this stuff pops off. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Flames are going to pick, they're, they're not trading away their first round pick, are they? Trading away? Yeah. Maybe up, down, but they're, they're picking in the first round. I, I would be baffled if they traded the pick away, most because it would make no sense. And I don't think the current general manager is a man that does things that make no sense. Well, and he's, I mean, Craig's talked a lot about wanting to build through the draft, and I think and that, that's not just lip service this from is, the GM. This is the draft. If you're going to build through the draft, this is the draft to build through. Is there a way they can get a few? Like, could they add another pick in the top 60? That's what's really interesting to me. It depends on which players give them what answers between now and uh, the 28th of June. Because yeah. they got seven guys who are pending UFAs on July 1st, 2024. And uh, the general manager of the Calgary Flames has stated they ain't going to walk. I, I I can see them maybe walking one or two guys. Like, you know, all due respect to the gentlemen involved. If the guys you have to walk to July 1st that year or, you know, have play as pending UFAs that season are Oliver Shillington and Nikita Zadorov. If they're the only ones, you sleep reasonably well because, you know, that's they're pieces, but they're not the biggest of big pieces. Whereas if you have a Toffoli or an Elias Lindholm or a Noah Hannafin uh, potentially being pending UFAs, your sleep is a little bit more disturbed yeah. having those guys potentially walk. I'm curious on a few fronts when it comes to the draft this year. I'm curious if the amount of 
top 60 picks can be bumped? Can they get another one in the second round somehow? Or maybe even in the first round? Like, let's just, for instance, because Noah Hannafin's the name that's out there right now most most prominently based on what Elliot said on Saturday night. So let's say that uh, let's say that Noah Hannafin would move at this year's draft. Let's just forsake it. I don't think the Flames should move Noah Hannafin if they don't have to, but that's for another day. Let's say that he does move at this year's draft. Do, do, you, do you get a first for him? Could you get, well, I mean, what did what did the Blue Jackets end up getting for Provorov? Uh, sorry, what did uh, Philadelphia end up getting for Provorov? They ended up netting from a couple different teams a first and a second um, and, and a little bit more, but a first and a second, but they also did take back some contracts that weren't the loveliest. Could the Flames yeah. get a first and a second for Hannafin? Or a first and a decent prospect or a first and, you know, maybe get some AHL help? And I'm not, like, I think Provorov is a good player. I don't think that he is a uh, great defenseman right now. I think that Hannafin does more well than Provorov does myself, but the ceiling maybe on Provorov is a little higher. And I I think if you're a contender, if you're a team that has contending aspirations, like, you know, I assume if you're trading a Noah Hannafin, the conversation probably goes, hey, Noah, all right, sad to see you go. Where would you like to end up? Do you have any places you'd prefer and then you go out and you try to maximize but i imagine you'd probably send him to someone who's going to send you you know it's probably a contender and having a guy that plays in his situations i think the fact he's on such a team-friendly contract definitely drives that uh that price up a bit because how many guys play as much as he does and does do with the things he does as well as he does for below five million it's a very fair question and that's why I wonder if they do end up having to trade him, what type of return they could end up getting back. Again, I think with both him and Elias Lindholm, signing is the... If you can sign both, that is desirable as opposed to trading just, either. Just thinking out loud, I know the situations ain't the same. What did Devin Tays get for Colorado? Two seconds? That sounds right. Now, that was an absolute steal for the Avalanche, though. And I don't... Like, at the time, I don't think Devon Taves was as established as Hannafin is. I don't think and, his and, value and, was... Now, he's turned into a hell of a... Like, and, and I think, like, I remember Labardi is talking about how good Taves is for the longest time, but I don't know if his league-wide cachet was where Hannafin's is right now. Yeah, and, you know, so maybe, you know, I'd say two seconds might be the absolute bare basement floor of what you'd be expecting to get or the equivalent. So I think you're probably like, if if it's a team that absolutely, you know, if there's no market whatsoever for him, I think you get two seconds, but I think you probably get a lot more than that. If I if I feel like Hannafin's not re-signing and I'm going to trade him at the draft, I'm not doing it unless there's a first-round pick involved. Myself. Yeah. I, 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 think, you, I think that you'd be losing the well, deal if you didn't get a first round. I, I would say this, because the, the thing that gives me anxiety about potentially trading Noah Hannafin is, and I, you know, I think you and I discussed this in the past on this program, the idea of throwing Oliver Shillington into the deep end. And so if I think the perfect trade, if one exists, would be a first round draft pick and then something else, potentially give me another defenseman. Granted, it won't be someone as good as Noah Hannafin, but give me some options so that, you know, potentially... You know, I have some buffer. I don't need to necessarily throw Shillington to the Wolves right away. Give me, give me a reliable NHL level defenseman who can help out the group and sort of, you know, ease the the workload a bit. 
And then, you know, if Shillington turns out, he, you know, if he looks anywhere close to what he was, you know, two seasons ago, then you're laughing. Yeah. But I think, I think that those, those would be the needs I think they have to meet in order to make my level of anxiety go away. And, of course, we know the Flames do whatever they can to make our personal levels of anxiety go away. Absolutely. So we, we kind of know what the framework of this would, would need to look like. He's Ryan Pike. He's on Twitter at Ryan N. Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor, Cam, our producers, this hour as we start to wrap things up. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.